What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasperi. This is Frank Pelican, and this is the Quick Cage. Frank, what movie you want to tell us about tonight? Uh, tonight we're going to talk about 2019's crime drama, uh, "Running with the Devil." Um, along with Mr. Cage, it stars uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Leslie Bibb, uh, Barry Pepper, uh, Max Goldberg, or Adam Goldberg, not Max Goldberg. Um, Adam Goldberg, um, some other people that you would recognize. Cole Hauser's in it. Um, and some like character actors you would recognize as being in other stuff. Um, it's a really weird movie to talk about. Um, so I recently resubscribed to Hulu, uh, the version with the ads. So I'm not paying like $13 for it, but, um, I had unsubscribed from a bunch of Amazon stuff. So I had some extra movie watching like disposable income so i figured i'd put it back towards that and this movie is uh, on hulu streaming um i'd seen it pop up a few times but i never looked into it because it seemed like pretty boring to me like most of those crime fillers i don't think they're all that great <clears throat> so i didn't really know anything about it um started watching it and after like three minutes had to go into wikipedia to see what year it was made because it felt like it was from the early 2000s, even though Cage looks like really old in it. So I thought maybe it was makeup or something, but definitely uh-huh. 2019. Um, it wants so bad to be like an indie movie from 1997, like including the fact that it does the um, fourth wall breaking like title cards for every character. Uh, no character has an actual name. Like they're all just known by some designation, like Cage is the cook and Fishburne's the man and Leslie Bibb is the agent in charge. Um, the basic premise is that Cage is a, like, general or lieutenant in this um, drug runner's empire um, that basically, like, handles distribution, I guess, although that's never, like, fully explained. Um, Cage partners with uh, Fishburne. Fishburne's, like, his, like, man on the street, like, dis- distributor. Um, what's Fish, his name? He's you the know. man. He's the man. Okay. Yeah, he's the man. Fishburne's the man. Cage is the cook. <laughs> Leslie Bibb is the agent in charge. Barry Pepper is the boss. Um, Adam Goldberg is the snitch. Uh, Cole Hauser is the executioner, maybe. Um, something like that. Anyway, so without Cage's knowledge, Fishburne has been cutting the coke with other stuff like fentanyl, um, which is causing people to OD. Uh, Barry Pepper's pissed because their drugs are getting a bad reputation and people don't want to buy them. So he basically sends Cage down to Columbia to track a shipment from start to finish to see if um, he can figure out like where the, you know, like where, where it's happening. Um, It's a pretty standard 
like drug movie setup kind of i guess i mean not not that particular setup like that i don't think i've ever seen that specifically before but the whole idea of like the guy's being told by his boss that he's got to fix some problem with like their supply chain and the drugs and he has to go do it and then it turns out they're being like betrayed by one of their own men which is the fish burn part um hulu touts this movie as having um strong language violent content and strong sexual content Mm -hmm. um of which it really well the strong sexual content is weird it's like a don coscarelli um uh phantasm three sexual content where like no one takes off their clothes when they're having sex oh i thought you were going to say balls come out of like a woman's no you don't you don't ever see any balls or breasts and you see one breast like maybe half a breast it's not even a whole breast um lawrence fishburne like takes these two prostitutes home early in the movie and loads them up with his uh, tainted coke and then has sex with them for a long time um which is done in like a i don't know what it reminded me of again it's like like train spotting or something is like what it feels like um where he's like railing them from behind but they don't take their clothes off so basically he's just bumping his underwear against their underwear Hmm. um and that's like the theme of the whole movie like whenever anyone has sex they're fully clothed or at least like wearing their underpants which is really weird that is strange um so the prostitutes die and lawrence fishburne who is like grooming adam goldberg to be his his second in charge for like because he wants to continue to like cut this coke and make this like super addictive drug like street drug um so when the two the two prostitutes od he has adam goldberg drive him to the hospital to like drop him off in the er which adam goldberg does in the middle of a day in like a 1977 barracuda with the two dead prostitutes on the passenger seat and then does a bump of coke in front of two cops that he clearly like sees which i don't so that's like the the logical tone of the movie is that just things happen just to make the plot like advance. Um, eventually, oh, the reason that Leslie Bibb is involved um, is because her they never tell you exactly what it is, but maybe her sister and brother in law um, OD'd on this stuff and they left their daughter in Leslie Bibb's care. So Leslie Bibb like immediately abandons the daughter to some other unnamed relative. And then, like, you never see the daughter again, really. Leslie Bibb just goes off and tries to catch, um, I guess, ostensibly Barry Pepper, but then she realizes she got to catch Nick Cage. Although they never explain how she figures out that Nick Cage is involved either. If she just does at some point, maybe it happens off camera. Because um, she's after Barry Pepper, and then all of a sudden she's after Nicolas Cage. Um, so Cage finds out that Fishburne's betrayed him. He's kind of like, well, you can take your chances with the boss. Um, then somehow Nicolas Cage falls off a cliff. And instead of Lawrence Fishburne helping him, he like kind of pushes him. So then you think Nicolas Cage is dead. Although if you've ever seen a movie movie before, you know that he's not. Um, then Lawrence Fishburne thinks that he's like in good with the boss. Although it's obvious that he's not. Like it's obvious that he's getting set up. Um, so they torture him and beat the shit out of him and then tie him to like a rebar crucifix kind of um, and start to light him on fire. And then Nick Cage is alive because he survived the fall that they show in a flashback that, you know, of course he did. 
Um, and he shoots Lawrence Fishburne and kills them. Um, and their coke problems are all solved and whatever. Um, so at the end of the movie, uh, Nicolas Cage is called the cook, by the way, because he owns like a pizza joint and he's like, he cooks there. Um, not because he does anything with the cocaine. Like, I right. guess it shows that he's a chemist because he has like a chemistry kit he carries with him, but he never does anything like with, you know, they're not making like crack or anything. So I don't know what he's cooking. Right. Um, Pizza. Leslie Bibb shows up at his restaurant and starts smoking in his kitchen, and Nicholas Cage is like, "Oh, why are you gonna smoke in my kitchen?" Eh. <sighs> um, and she tells him like, "You know, you'll never get caught. Like, you'll always be outside the law." And then she stands up and shoots him and kills him. That's it. So. She kills him. Yeah, yeah. She shoots him and kills him because she can never catch him. So the only way she's gonna stop him, which in theory isn't stopping anything, because Barry Pepper is the actual guy that's like importing the coke. And he's still alive, and she's going to go to jail for murdering Nicolas Cage. So, or the cook, I guess, is not really Nicolas Cage. Um, yeah, so that's that's the movie. Um, so, so this sounds to me, like you said, like 97, like indie movie. This sounds like, a, <clears throat> from what you're describing, something like a, a Tarantino kind of ripoff. Almost like the things to do in Denver when you're dead through the lens of Guy Ritchie. Yeah, um, did you ever see the big score? No. So that's like a '98. Let me look up that movie and see when it's from. That's like a '98 movie that had a bunch of, um, you know, like B-list actors in it. Uh, this is '83. That's in it. Maybe, oh, it's the big hit, not the big score. The big hit. Did you ever see that movie? No. I'm looking it up. Maybe. All right. 98. Oh. Um, no, I don't know this movie. Mark Wahlberg, Lou Diamond Phillips, Bokeem Woodbine, Christine Applegate, Antonio Sabato Jr. Yeah. <laughs> right. So all the hits. Um, but the big hit tried to be like, like what you just described. But, mm-hmm. you know, like two or three years after, like that was like kind of relevant. Sure. It sort of wanted to combine, like, John Woo with Tarantino with, like, this... Guy Ritchie's a really good example, like, this bombastic, like, modern soundtrack. Yeah, that, so this movie opens, and it's funny because I texted several of you guys, like, of my friends, and asked if they remembered the song. It opens with a song called Battle Flag by the Low Fidelity All-Stars, which in 1998 was in, like... And I think I sent you the picture of, like, the Wikipedia page. Yeah. It was in like 12 television shows, like eight trailers, like seven or eight movies. Like it was everywhere. This stupid song. And it opens with the song, which is another reason I was like, well, when the fuck did this movie come out? Because I had to, I thought it had to be in the 90s, like with that soundtrack. Um, but I guess they just figured they'd, you know, ride the wave of popularity, you know, 21 years later and uh, <laughs> right. like take advantage of this hot song property. Nobody remembers that song if it makes you feel any better. Like, everyone I asked was like, nah, I don't remember that song. Yeah, because I did not remember it at all. I would sing, like, the opening to it, and they'd be like, no, I really don't remember it. It just drives me nuts that, like, I swear, when this, when it came on, I almost had, like, PTSD. It was like, oh, my God. Like, I haven't thought about this song probably in 20 years, but I remembered, like, everything. Like, the, like hearing that song. Because it's got this part, like, it starts with kind of like a spoken word thing, and then it goes in, and the guy's like, I said, Hallelujah. And, like, that part, when he does that, was in, like, everything. Whenever someone was, like, doing some ninja move or shooting a gun or something. And it's not a very good song, but... It didn't sound very good. So, I have a question for you here. 
Um, you've been a little like uh, uh, there's been a little anxiety. I like you've expressed like verbally about like talking about this particular movie. So from the description of it, it sounds like this movie is just really like dull and like um, anachronistic. So wh where was the anxiety coming about like, how you're going to talk about this movie? Because there's, there's so many bad things that happen in this movie. Like, usually you watch Oh, okay, movie. you haven't even talked about the bad things yet, then, what you're saying. Like, you I just mean, give I'm me just a description. Right, you just described it, plot. and I've just uh, assumed the bad things. Okay. No. Okay. I'm, I'm giving you really broad brushstrokes. Okay. Of how terrible okay. this movie is. Okay. Like, you watch a bad Nick Cage movie, and there's, like, some tropes to him, you know? I mean, he's going to overact. There's going to be, like, some ridiculous plot elements. Somebody's probably going to be naked with Nick Cage. Blah, blah, blah. And it's going to end. Right. And, like, this movie, like, minute by minute is probably maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Just because it puts so many bad things. Like, it just hits you with them constantly. And it does these bad things so well that it makes them even worse somehow. Mm -hmm. And it like, it never builds like a narrative in the whole movie. Like nothing makes any sense when you're watching it. It's just, I don't know. Like, like there's a character they introduce called the farmer. He's the guy that grows, um, like that harvests the cocoa leaves and like grinds them up and turns them into cocaine basically. Okay. And they'd spend this time to introduce the fact that, like, his kids go to this private school in Bogota, and his wife is, like, worried about him when he's gone, and that he's, like, a loving, doting father, and, like, they, I, they spend, like, 10 minutes on this character in this movie at, like, different points, maybe more than that, maybe, like, 15 minutes, you know, that he's a really loving husband, and they have a great relationship, and he disappears, and he's never in the movie again, and nothing happens with it's like 15 minutes of a movie that didn't need to exist. And it's not even like there's anything that you can say like, okay, well, I understand from just like a titillation aspect or, you know, cause like if he got murdered or if he was somehow involved in like whatever, like the undercutting the boss or anything, like it would make sense, but he's just a dude that does a job in the supply chain. And then he just goes away. Like that's the end of it. Huh. And like, there's so many characters like that. Like, there's this weaselly guy in somewhere in Mexico, I guess, that, like, is the one that, like, kind of secures the mules to get across the border. Um, and, like, they build him up, and they introduce him, and they give him, like, these distinctive characteristics. And he kills one of the mules, and then Nicolas Cage is like, cool, you're not the one that's, like, painting my coke. And that's it. You know, it's like, and there's so much of that. Mm -hmm. So after Max Goldberg gets, or Adam, well, I keep saying Max Goldberg. After Adam Goldberg gets taken into custody because he's riding in a car with dead prostitutes and doing blow off of a steering wheel, he goes to jail and Leslie Bibb's like, nah, we're not going to prosecute. And Adam Goldberg's like, cool, I'm saved. Then she ties him up naked, well, not naked, in his Speedos, in an abandoned warehouse chained to like a wire above his head and tortures him for like days 
And this is a woman that works for like the CIA or something. I can't remember like where uh-huh. she's from. Well, I mean, I think that's on point, but go ahead. Because she's trying, she's not even trying to get any information out of them. On brand. She just like, like goes away for a few days and comes back. She's like, God, oh, you ready to give up your source? He's uh-huh. like, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> and then he just gives it up. Right. Like, they oh, don't right, because he's the snitch. Yeah, he's the snitch. Right. Well, they don't tell you he's the snitch until that point when he's like, yeah, I'm ready to give it up. And then he gets his his his, his placard that says the snitch. And it does it in, like, that um, graffiti-style, like, spray paint. Like, somebody's, like, got, like, a stencil and they're spray painting across your screen. It's um, it's fucking, fucking fantastic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so this is so minor, but it's like, how how quickly is like the speed on that? Like how pretty, like pretty fast. Okay, all right. Okay, like the speed that you would read it. It's just like, okay. and then there it is. All right. I think it even might make that noise, but I can't remember now. It's been a few. Years and I tried to push it out. So just every, just every single time, like characters on oh, screen. Oh, I like, forgot. To, the, so the movie, the movie opens with a couple of different scenes. So the first scene is Lawrence Fishburne like going to a club and being shown as being like Mr. Popular. This is where the fucking low fidelity all-star song is being played um, in a club in like 2000. Like, And I thought maybe it took place in like the early 2000s and that's why, but then they all have smartphones. So it's got to be at least, anyway. So after he goes to the club, then they show a scene with Nicolas Cage making food for this group of like elementary school girl soccer players and their coach comes up and she's like, Oh, you know, we're so glad you support the team. Like, you know, you're so instrumental in like helping us out. And she's got this trophy and he's like, yeah, um, glad to do it. Just next time get first place. And that's when you get to see that he's the cook. And it's like, mm. that's his menacing. Mm. Like even, even when he's being a good guy, like he's still a bad guy type thing or whatever. Right. So then it cuts to Lawrence Fishburne going to a strip club. And in this strip club, he pays money to watch a peep show of these two women, like, making out with each other, okay. who aren't naked, by the way. Or they are naked, but, like, their hair is, like, taped over their nipples. So it's, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, ABC nudity or something. Right. And... It's I, I can't even. It's like the, it, it's like a scene out of what, what's that Madonna video like True Blue or something, right? So it's like he starts jerking off in this movie. Like you only see him from the waist up, but you can definitely right. tell that he's jerking off. And then the the curtain starts to come down on the peep show, so he's struggling getting a quarter out of like his pants, which are around his ankle. And he puts quarter in, and the screen comes back up, and he's like furiously masturbating. And then he, like, lets out this hoot, and I guess, like, you're supposed to imply that he just ejaculated. And this is your introduction to this character. Like, this guy that's supposed to be somewhat of a successful criminal, I guess. Sure. Because it's implied that the two of them have been working together for, like, 30 years at one point, because they're both old. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is, is an old man. Right. And they don't do anything to make Nicolas Cage look young. You know, we watched, we talked about Bangkok Dangerous last week, and I told you how he's got his, like, the waxy, greasy Nick Cage look. And that's what they do when they try and make him look young, is they put a bunch of makeup on him and, like, slick his hair back. But here, Mm -hmm. he just looks like an old man. And then, I don't know, like, it's just they introduce all these characters, and they're so Is there any other kind of, like, sexual stuff with Lawrence Fishburne for the rest of the movie? Um... 
Yeah. Yeah, he gives these two other girls blow at one. That's, that's the other thing, too. Like, I don't know. They just, they do all these things where, like, they have people do something. And they bring bit characters in and do something to give that. Like, so he meets these two women in a club. Like, this is after he's betrayed Nicolas Cage. And you think, you know, you're supposed to think Nicolas Cage is dead. And he's met with Barry Pepper, you know, and he's, like, going to a club. And that's where he's going to meet Barry Pepper that night. And he sees these two girls, and they're, like, kind of, like, hanging on each other. And I guess he's thinking, like, hey, I'm going to, like, whatever, like, get these chicks. And he gives them both. He's like, you girls want some of this? And he just whips out a bag of cocaine, like, right in front of them. And the one girl has, like, a shaved head and all these tattoos. So it's, like, not even it's, – it's, like, meant to make you, like, recognize and, like, notice this character, you know? It's not even just, like – because that scene should be about him showing that he's, number one, not learned anything from, like – because – so Nicolas Cage figures out that, number one, that – Fishburne's the one that's undercutting his stuff. And Fishburne brings Adam Goldberg with him, like, on this, like, trip that they're supposed to take. And Nicolas Cage figures out that he's, like, snitched on him. So, I mean, you already know that, like, that he's... Oh, so the the CIA or whatever turned Lawrence Fishburne as well. I forgot about that part. They they turned him through Adam Goldberg. That, oh, so that is the sexual part, because Lawrence Fishburne takes a prostitute to a motel and is sitting there, like, railing her in his underpants when the CIA comes in. And um, that's how they, they, they flip him. So, you, you know, like, you could use that as a scene to show that this guy who's, like, made this mistake and almost lost his life, but through Providence, like, the guy, the only person that knew that he was at fault, you know, from your viewer's perspective, is dead now, from your perspective. And, like, maybe he could, like, stop being an, an idiot and, like, protect himself. But he's gone right back to the stupid things that got him in trouble in the first place, which is, like, using his own product. Because he's a coquette, too, like, major coquette. Um, using his own product and giving the product away to, like, women so he can have sex with them. Like, all these stupid things he does. And he immediately does the stupid thing again. And instead of being an illustration of him as a character and you being, like, man, like, this guy never learns and, like, he gets what he deserves – it's a focus on these two characters that are meaningless. And on top of that, they then follow them into the bathroom just to watch them do coke off the back of the toilet for no reason. You know, like it's just, it's right. so weird. Like none of it makes any sense and they do it all the time. And I think it's because they didn't really have much of a story and they well, had to pat it out. Well, here's think, what I'm wondering. I just looked it up. This movie is filmed in two weeks. Like, yeah, do, you th- do you, right. Do you think that like, maybe, yeah, it's like, and, and if there's like schedule conflicts, because like for a low budget movie like this, it does have a few people that like have other work going on. I wonder right. if like they fleshed out the story through these minor characters at times to get a better runtime or something on it. Um, so you might think that, except that all the scenes with these minor characters tend to have one of the, like, main characters in them. Well, that's what I'm saying, is, like, they can only get the one main character on set that, you know, for that time. So they ended up just filming, like, a bunch of extra shit with them when they were available. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, Fishburne and Cage are on screen for probably about 25 minutes total together. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think Pepper and Cage are ever on screen together. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah, one fish burn for maybe like 10 minutes. I mean, it's all very brief, like all of it. So you're probably right. 
it's probably like Nick Cage could shoot for four days and here's the four days and let's like do everything we can in this time. Right. This was probably like some sort of like Oscar winning script until like you actually wanted production on it. And then it just got rewrote, uh, rewrote on the set um, to work around everybody's schedules. And then it became this fucking mess. Where did you read it filmed in four days? No, 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 two weeks, I said. No. March 13th to April 18th, according to... Oh. Yeah, two two weeks. That's a month, buddy. March 13th to April 18th. No, April 2nd is what I see here. April 2nd is when we moved to Right, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So they filmed in New Mexico for a couple weeks, and then they filmed in Colombia. Gotcha. For a couple weeks. Yeah, so it was a month. So that's not... that's, That's better than I thought. Anyway. That's a weird way to write that sentence, though. Whoever it is. That, whoever wrote that on Wikipedia, whatever, <laughs> change it. <clears throat> though their plot description is like two sentences, so they didn't really put much effort into it. No. Um, well, you seriously, like, out of, I bet you any amount of money, this podcast right here, this episode, is the premier informational guide on this movie. <laughs> that's, that's a... A lot of pressure. Um, yeah, so, and the, again, like, they build this plot line where Leslie Bibbs, like, and again, you never have any idea what relation it is, but some relative of hers is dead from an overdose of this drug. Oh, the movie's called Running with the Devil because the bags of coke that this cartel uses has a stamp of a picture of the devil on them. Right. So... That and I guess it's like a, there's a, a dual meaning to it because, you know, they're playing with fire and leading like this dangerous life, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, like every misstep. And the sad thing is, is like every performance in this movie is fine. Like Nicolas Cage is fine. He doesn't overact. Lawrence Fishburne is fine. Like, he has a certain amount of, like, world weariness to his performance coupled with, like, a manic, like, coke addict. Like, he goes to, like, these, like, manic depressive, like, stages in his performance. Adam Goldberg is just Adam Goldberg. I was, like, basically thinking, like, man, this is the same dude that we just watched in Grandaze and Confused last year. Um, Leslie Bibb is, like, overacts a little bit. Barry Pepper is just very, you know what I mean? Like, they're all fine performances, and they're all capable actors. And it's just such a mess, like, the overall production. So, I was really, like, I don't even know a word to use. Like, not disturbed, but, like, confounded at the end of this movie. Like, what I just watched and, like, how it existed. Mm -hmm. And so, I started looking up. So, it was produced by a company called Patriot Films in conjunction with Redbox Entertainment. So, you know, it was definitely produced just to be like a straight-to-DVD type thing. So I looked up Patriot pa- Patriot Pictures, not Patriot Films. They don't even pretend to make films. They're making just pictures. And they have, like, five movies they've made, and none of them made any money. But they're, like, this big, like, global conglomerate of, like, movie producers. And it looks like they're a front for, like, Russian money, maybe? Because one of the things that they advertise, if you go like a little bit into their website, is this biopic on Vladimir Putin. And part of it's like, you know, Putin stepped aside for democracy and just wanted to like make sure the country was going to be run well. But then he had to come back in and save Russia. 
like all this crazy like Putin, like Putin propaganda. It's hard to say his name with like p words after. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I think this is how Nicholas Cage is like paying off some like fucking terrible debt that he owes somebody. <sighs> I'm trying to look up Patriot pictures right now. You got to go to their website. There's not much information on them otherwise. Yeah, that's really weird. Which is another reason. So, like, when you go to their website, you can see what films they produce. And I swear to God, it's, like, five films and you haven't heard of a single one of them. But then you go to, like, their personnel section or whatever, mm-hmm. and it shows all the films that were produced by people that are now producers for Patriot Pictures. And it's, like, every movie from basically, like, 1990 to, like, 2005 that has that matter. And some really big blockbusters, like... Um, Matrix and Signs. One well, Signs wasn't a blockbuster. You know what I mean? Like like movies that like you know. So I don't. I think there's something shady going on with Patriot Pictures, but yeah, I feel like I'm sure. going to um, get like picked up here in about like 20 minutes just by googling the guy that like runs Patriot Pictures' name and like starting to like look him up, like Rob Mendelson or something like that. Michael Michael Mendelson. Pretty good. Michael yeah. Mendelson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I remember. <sighs> This podcast is our last will and testament, basically, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, the black bands are coming. Well, I mean, I already looked them all up last week, and I'm still here, so whatever, okay. you're probably fine. I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it feels like a movie that should have probably been three hours long, originally. And, like, it would not have been a good three-hour-long movie, and I would have been really depressed watching it <laughs> after three hours. But at least if they could have, like, explained some of the characters that they introduced. Or, like, maybe four episodes of Homeland or something. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Well, maybe Homeland isn't the right thing. But, like, I don't know. Some TV show that takes place in, like, the drug universe. Uh-huh. But it's not. Like, like the farmer character, right? So he's taking the shipment to... He, he's walking the shipment through the mountains to drop it off where Nicolas Cage is going to get it from, like, the first person he gets it from. And he gets accosted by these two random dudes in a field, and they're like, you're going to give us what's in that bag. And he's like, hold on, let me take my bag off. And then he whips out a gun and, like, shoots them both. It's like friggin', um, I don't know, like uh, Chow Yun Fat or something, like gun Fu shit. This, like, unassuming farmer that's never revealed anything to this point, like, showing that he's like that, and then disappears from the movie entirely. And they have the scene. Like, you don't even need that scene, you know? It's like three minutes of extra scene for no reason that has no payoff anywhere but in that one moment. Right. Because then he drops off the bag, and it goes to, like, a middleman, and that's who Nicolas Cage meets with, and then the farmer's gone. Presumably back to, like, live with his family and continue to produce cocaine. Oh, man. Yeah, it sounds really weird and really bad. It's rough, you know? And it was... um. I mean, it's obviously not, you know, not rated well anywhere. Yeah, I think it's like 24% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. That's, that's, that's 23% too high. Um, and it's funny because, like, I recently watched, like, another pairing of Cage and Fishburne in a much more minor way in um, Rumblefish, um, which is a much better movie than this movie. So I guess maybe there's, like, some connection there. Maybe, like, because they're both criminals in that movie. So I don't know if, like, from a casting perspective, maybe it was like, oh, you know, 
maybe some astute like film watcher will make the connection that these are the same characters but like much later in life since they've known each other for so long but probably not you know it's probably just coincidence i don't know maybe <clears throat> lawrence fishburne owes people a bunch of money too no i think lawrence fishburne's just doing what he do which is you know do whatever movies will like have him i mean what's he done recently I don't know. I'm going to look him up. It's been a long time since I've seen a modern Lawrence Fishburne movie, I think. Actually, that's not true. Hannibal, I guess. Yeah. And that's not a movie. But, you know, that was a pretty big role, and that's not too long ago. What is that, five years now? About that. Um. He was in that Where'd You Go Bernadette movie that I never saw, and I guess he was in John Wick, the latest one. He's actually been in a lot of stuff. All right, he was in Ant-Man and Wasp. Forgot about that. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. God, I actually liked that movie, and I don't remember him being in it. He's the um, the scientist that causes the ghost to happen. The one that in the end is kind of like the main bad guy. Because he's trying to use the PIM particles to... Oh, right, yeah. Do something. Like, fix the world or bring his wife back or something like yes, that. Yes, yep. Mm -hmm. I remember this now, yeah. Maybe that movie was more forgettable than I thought. I don't know. I think I, like, I enjoyed it when I watched it. But... It's because the sequences you remember aren't necessarily the sequences with Lawrence Fishburne in them. Right. It's the whole, like, stuff after that where they're <clears throat> trying to get the... um. Trying to get the shrunken down pin building back from Shane Vendrell, who's driving around the city. That's it. That, that, that's Walton Goggins, right? The place that yep. character? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Both those uh, Ant Man movies are some of my favorite Marvel movies, just from like a tone and fun perspective. Anyway, so this movie's trash. Rex Reed didn't like it, though. Yeah, but you know what Rex... Did you see what Rex Reed's first line is in that review? No. It's like, despite the some, like, some hyper, hyperbolic word yeah. acting talents of Nick Cage. And it's like, no, Rex Reed. Yeah. Waste no. the time and talent of Nicolas Cage. Right, that's it. But it didn't waste his time, so he got paid to do it. He doesn't care. Well, it's like, if, if, if you rate him that highly, then more than half of the movies you're talking about is wasting his time and talent. Yeah, you're being generous. If Nick Cage wasn't in a movie, if Nick Cage was never in a movie that wasn't a waste of time and talent, this podcast would be like 30, 30 episodes long. Like, we'd be done. There were, there were never would have even been a point because I wouldn't have watched fucking knowing and we never would have started doing this podcast. So it seriously is a waste of time and talent that's caused this to happen. Like this section of the podcast. So. <sighs> I watched a bunch of Nick Cage movies recently. I will say that. So what do you rate? So the lowest I think I've heard you give so far is 3 out of 10 for rating the movie, a Nick Cage movie. What's the, what's the rating on this? And that's so hard because like... 
I, I, I said Bangkok Dangerous was a three out of ten, right? Yeah, there's been a couple others you said are three out of ten. Like, let me say that in some ways this movie's not as bad as that movie, but in some ways it's so much worse. It's like it's like a four out of ten conditionally, but a one out of ten like overall. Like it's real bad, man. It, it's a real it, bad movie. Right. We're we're gonna talk about like one or two other movies that I just haven't had the energy to talk about yet that are probably worse than this movie, like overall. Mm-hmm. But it's a uh, it's it's a real gory knife fight down there at the bottom, like <laughs> movies. The Cage performance is honestly like like a five or six. I mean, it's not funny Cage at all. Like right. there's no humor to this role whatsoever. But he lends it like. It, it kind of feels like you're watching uh, like a combination of like Walter White and maybe like um, Zabaka. Okay. Frank Zabaka from mm-hmm. The Wire, you know? Yeah. Like, no, no that, 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 that's not even a good example. Cool. It's like a really, it, it's like Walter White, if he had never gotten caught. And nothing bad ever happened, and he just got really bored with what he was doing. And that's, that's what, right. He started a pizza shop. Just a guy who's like, like he does what he does because he can't do anything else because it lets him do the thing that he loves, which is cook. And he he says that a few times. I mean, again, like they invest so much time in like building these characters for no reason because there's no payoff to it. There's not even an emotional investment on your part. Like, when Nick Cage dies at the end, I didn't go like, I just went, huh. (laughs) Right. And then I was so glad it was over. And then she walks out, and it's like, at least in that perspective of that movie world, there's no consequence to her actions. Like, I don't know. It's just such a weird movie. But he's fine, and he's reserved, and he's got a couple of lines he delivers really well, and... I feel like maybe he was sort of into it, you know, like he at least it's not like a phoned in performance like you get sometimes from him. Like there's there's something. So I don't know. I mean maybe it was like that fucking um what was that bullshit movie we just talked about with uh fuck. The one where he's like a dying CIA agent and fucking Oh movie. shit, oh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I remember the movie. Wings of, an, Wings of an Eagle or some shit. I don't even fucking remember. Oh, that's that's terrible. I gotta like search our own. Die, dying of delight. Dying. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like it's it's a better performance than something like that. It just I don't know. Maybe it's that. Maybe that's the thing. Like maybe this movie was different somehow, and like it got cut down or. But I don't see who would even care enough to like cut shit out of it. Like it's directed video, so it doesn't matter how long it is. Like the only people renting this are people that are like, oh, Cage and Fishburn word, and then like you know, can be disappointed like a couple hours later. Yeah. <sighs> so you so got Hulu. We're going to talk about Rumblefish next week. Oh, okay. Um. Which, I don't know, it's going to be weird because Nicolas Cage is in Rumblefish for, like, maybe 15 minutes of total screen time. Okay. And is really just, like, a bit character in it. Um, And he's really young in that movie, too. Um, So, I don't know if maybe we should, like, roll two, like, 
Do you have, is, is, there, is, is there two minor performances you can kind of like team up? I mean, we can talk about like Fast Times at Ridgemont High or something because I guess that counts. Right. Yeah. I'll find something else where he's only in it for like 20 minutes and then we can right. talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Rumblefish is a really, really like good movie too. So it almost doesn't even feel like it belongs on like a quick cage episode. Like I think it belongs somewhere else, but that's where it could still like die its death. Oh, yeah. So don't watch Running with the Devil. And the funny thing is the other movies on Hulu are like Red Rock West, Bad Lieutenant, which is at least an interesting movie, Rumblefish. Like they have like good movies of his on there. And then they have this one and they have this movie. Fuck. What is it called? Something about revenge or some shit that also is like one of these bottom feeding, like low tier like worst movie ever movies right that's that's the one that i don't ever want to talk about and i've alluded to it a couple of times but man is it bad a score to settle that's what it's called a score to settle mm, that's a great title oh my god dude it is the worst it sounds like it sounds like richard grieco should be starring in it he looks like richard grieco in- <laughs> he actually i didn't think about that but yeah like slick back hair like you know and especially grieco now he's had so much work done like in these very plastic right. looking yeah it's it's definitely like ultra makeup like waxy dead skin Nicolas Cage Mm -hmm. like he looks like he's sweating underneath three pounds of makeup and so it just makes him look like a fucking zombie or something I don't know (sighs) so So you so you went back to Hulu huh I mean yeah until I watch what I need to watch and I'll just cancel it I get a free month or whatever so I was just um for you yeah, well, that's like the secondary topic of of this podcast. I think is streaming services anymore. So it's important. Oh, maybe yeah. I watch it on Peacock. Hmm. I didn't watch it on Hulu. I definitely watched it on Peacock. Hmm. So that was a that was an undue Hulu plug. <laughs> is it a plug? Like if you're. <laughs> Like if, if that's the movie they're showing. Well, look, there's two categories. We've determined this. There's 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 Frank Free and there's not there's not Frank Free. Like that's basically the two categories of right. like What and I know I watched some Nicolas Cage movie. Like a free for Frank. <clears throat> Guess I should shut my mouth because I benefit from some of that. No, you know what? I did watch Running with the Devil. Well, I don't know. Who can remember? Because I, mean, I watched the movie that you always wanted me to talk about, Captain Crowley's Mandolin. I watched that on Peacock. You watched on Hulu. Captain Crowley? No, 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 Running with the Devil. Okay. I was going to say, I thought Captain Crowley was on Peacock. Yeah, no, no, no. Running with the Devil is definitely on Hulu. I just looked at it. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. Then Rumblefish, I might have watched on Peacock today uh, uh, they do not they're getting real fucking finicky about this shit or yeah it's not listed anywhere so it's probably peacock they don't have peacock on google yet like as a one that shows you where it's streaming so F- trying to find all this shit for free is becoming complicated like as time has went on because it's like I, I can only trust Google so far most of the time. 
and then um, all these new additions that aren't uh, categories yet on Google to show you where it's streaming. Then you got to like look all that shit up there. Right. I wish there really was like because there's the cider and there's um where to watch or whatever that site is called, but they're never like that consistent. Sometimes they're not. I never. I, f- I feel like Google is actually a better judge than they are most of the time. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that's uh, sounds like a disaster. I it's mean, real bad, man. It's real yeah. bad. I don't know. It might have been the biggest waste of my time of one of his movies. I want you. I, I actually now, after hearing you talk about this waste of time, I almost want to have you watch that Delirium movie that I was talking about the other night with Topher Grace. Topher Grace, because that was on, that was the worst movie I've seen in. I'm trying. I'm trying to only time. watch my bad movies when I'm watching the Cage movies, and I try to like <laughs> fill the rest of my life with like things that I really want to watch. Like I'm going to watch um, a Soviet horror movie tonight. I think. Mm. Um, called Sputnik. That supposedly is really good. So we'll see how that is. Yeah. I don't I pay it though, so I don't know. I might just go to bed instead and <laughs> start again tomorrow. Right. All right. Well, All right. so you're t- we're doing Rumblefish next week, and maybe something else along with it. Yeah, I'll I'll find something else that he's got like a, a minor part in, and we can just do them like two back to back. Right. So that'll that'll only take. So yeah, if we if, if there's some roles like that, I didn't consider that that we double up on. Like maybe this will only take us into um, what what do you think? Like August of next year, maybe. Maybe. He's got to stop making movies there, man. He's going to kill me. <laughs> right. Never going to stop. I don't know what, the, what happens, though, at that point. So it's like uh, with the quick cage, like there, it, it has a, it has an ending. Like, you know, the quick cage is, is a, right, it's a, finite a temporary. Thing. Yeah, it's a finite thing. So it's like when, what happens when he releases a new movie? Does, does the quick cage come back? Yeah, we do a special edition quick cage. Right. And they'll be fresh, you know, like I'll be reviewing like a new movie because right. I'll have to see it within like a week of when it comes out. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that'll be the day. It'll be like COVID and the quick cage might end at the same time. <clears throat> or they'll both kill me. <laughs> All right, we'll end on that one. All right, right. thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good night.